Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Okay. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for coming bright and early on a Sunday morning. Uh, it was nice to have a little rain yesterday. It cooled off a little bit. It was nice that it wasn't, it wasn't 105 out, so that was a good thing. I'll open in prayer. We'll do a little bit of review, and then we'll cover a couple other things today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to live in a country where we can gather as Christians and talk about you and talk about our faith without any concern from the government. So we are grateful for that. Thank you for everyone who's here today and anyone who's listening. I ask that you speak through me to share uh, wisdom that uh, you want to pass out to this group. Guide us and direct us in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, just by a quick way of recap, since I'm a teacher, I feel the obligation to tell you what we've been talking about. It's just, it's in my DNA, I guess. So we talked about the idea that God definitely wants to talk to us. And in the Old Testament, it was much harder because we weren't necessarily a king or a priest or a judge or a prophet. So we had to trust those men if we had grown up during that time. Jesus changes that. The veil tears in two once he is crucified from the top to the bottom, opening the Holy of Holies, signifying that we can now go to God ourselves. So this is about a relationship with God. It's not about us having to go through someone else. And I think that's, that's pretty exciting. The other things we've been talking about is that it's the Holy Spirit indwelling on the inside of us. This is where I think, this is where we're hearing from God. This is how he's speaking to us. So it's not that it couldn't be an audible voice. I just don't know that it's going to be an audible voice. I haven't seen that. We don't necessarily see that in the New Testament too much, except in extreme circumstances, right? So you think the Apostle Paul, I don't know about you, if you're thinking about, you know, all of a sudden he's on the road, the next thing, big shaft of light, God talking to him changed his life forever. But we really only see that. I can't think of another example in the New Testament where we're seeing something on that level of dramatic. So I don't know that we should expect that. But it's, I can't say it's impossible. And we talked about that, that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. And I think that's important. Last week, we started dealing with this idea of continually asking God, continually um, seeing what he has to say. And I encourage you to start with something small. Uh, we need to get in the habit, I think, of asking him questions, even small questions that don't seem terribly relevant, or not relevant, but not terribly important to the quality of our long-term life. But I think that's how we hear. Uh, I used the example that uh, most of us could pick out our mother or our father's cough or laugh in the whole room. Why? Because we've heard it thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And I think that's the goal for our relationship with God. Can we spend enough time with him? Can we hear him enough that we know, yeah, that's God telling me this. This isn't last night's pizza telling me. I think that's where we want to head. I think that's where we want to go. A couple of the other things that I shared with you last week was on this idea of, okay, so I've heard something from God. It's kind of something bigger from God. It's more than should I have chicken or should I have the, the pulled pork this afternoon? This is God. I think you're telling me to go move or you're telling me to take a different job or you're telling me to go back to school or whatever that is. How do we know? How do we know, okay, that's God? And I don't think that God, I don't think he's upset with you if you don't move immediately. I mean, he understands us, right? I mean, the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus went through all of this. He was tempted like we were. He lived through these times just like we did. So he is kind and he's gracious. And so don't worry about that. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about what happens if I mess something up? What happens if I hear wrong or I didn't do the right thing? And, and I'll, I'll talk about that and how that's really worked out well for me. And the other thing I mentioned was that, you know, if you have a close friend, if you're married, that's a great thing because you have someone there who can 
be that other voice for you or that, hey, I think you're hearing the right thing or no, I think you're not hearing the right thing. And I think that's great. Not all of us have that relationship. So what else will God do for you? Well, I shared last week, I've had people come up and tell me things about what I should be doing in my life. And I'll be honest, about half the time it's somewhere way out of left field. And so I just take it graciously and kind of like a book I'm not going to read, I put it over here on the shelf and maybe I'll get back to that book or not. But I've also had similar experiences where God has used other people to confirm something he's told me already. And I think that's where it's important. If God's already talking to you about a topic, if you're already feeling this in your heart and then someone else comes in, I think that's confirmation. I think that's God using other sources. Now, it may not just be someone speaking to you. How many of you have sat in church and you're pretty sure that the pastor's been reading your email all week, right? <laughs> happens to all of us. He's like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't copy you on these. What's going on? That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? And I, I think it's awesome. And that's amazing that we can all sit and we can all hear the same message and you hear one thing and you hear something else and you hear something else. So I think that's another way that God confirms things. He'll also maybe use, if you have a devotional, I get an email devotional from a couple of people. A lot of times it's something that I've been talking to God about or thinking about and hearing about. So there's a number of different ways that he will confirm things for you. So one of the other big things and where I wanted to head and spend some time today is on this idea of what if I mess it up? Some people I meet and some people I talk to are so worried that if I screw up, I'm done. And I was that person. I'm not going to make the decision because if I'm wrong, then what have I done? Well, I heard a pastor say this once, and I, I use it on a fairly regular basis. Imagine if you, me, if you will, we're in the throne room, right? God's on the throne. Where's Jesus at? What's the Bible tell us? The right hand of the Father. And they're looking down at one of us. And you ever see God leaning over and going, I didn't see that coming. Now what are we going to do? They've screwed up. That's it. We're done. But yet, this is our mindset. I mean, mine anyway, maybe not the rest of y'all, but for me, from time to time, I'm like, well, now I've screwed it up, he can't fix it. Really? You've done something so bad that he can't fix it? So first, I think we need to take this idea and just throw it right over here in the can, throw it out, because that's certainly not true. Now, if we, if we could get to a point where we were constantly listening to God and making every decision based on his direction, life would probably be a whole lot smoother. But I don't know that we can get there. But he also knows that's the case. So it's not like he's trying to hold us to this standard that can't be done or that if we don't get there, we fall short. Keep in mind, the Lord is gracious and kind. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. He is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Psalms 145. But you, O Lord, are full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering, abundant in mercy and in truth. Psalms 86:15. Through the Lord's mercies, we aren't consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Lamentations. 3.22, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16, and Jesus, when he came out, he saw the great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. Mark 6.34, that's five scriptures. We could spend the rest of the hour looking at scriptures, showing God's graciousness, his compassion, and his desire to lead us. Understand that if you mess up, it's just fine. He knew that ahead of time, right? I mean, did you ever think about that? Now, one thing I'm gonna talk about that some people see slightly controversially, this is my opinion, okay? So this may not be the express opinion of management and everything else. I've struggled for a long time with this idea of God's perfect will for my life. And depending on your religious background, you may have thought a lot about this, just you may not have thought a lot about it. This is where I've come to over many years and I'm sure my views will continue to change. I don't know about any of you, but as I age, I seem to well, I learn more and I realize how much I don't know and how much 
other people and how much God knows, but is it possible that there is no perfect plan for our life? Or is it possible that there's really only one? And here's, here's my line of thought, and I could be wrong, and you don't have to agree, and that's perfectly fine. But if God knows the beginning from the end, he knows who we are, he knows what we need, he put us together in our mother's womb. Is it possible he knows what decisions you're going to make? Is it possible that he knows you're, you're going to go left and not right, or right and not left? So then is there a perfect plan? At least in my way of thinking, there's a plan. He knows where it's at. So my thinking on this is that if God knows all the decisions we're going to make, is there really this perfect plan that we haven't achieved, or is this just the path he's, caused, he's, he's causing us to walk on, or he's having us walk on? I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but this is kind of where my thinking has come, is that the perfect plan is just the one we walk out. He knows we're not perfect. He knows we're going to make mistakes. He knows that we're not going to do that. But how many of you have realized that we are sum total of our experiences and sometimes, not that God necessarily caused these challenges to come our way, how much can we share and be a blessing to others because we've experienced some things that aren't so great? I think that this worry that at least is in a lot of people that I've talked to about this, that there's this perfect plan and I don't know what I can do and God's not talking to me, I don't know that that perfect plan exists. I think we just walk it out. Someone a long time ago told me this, and this is really stuck in my mind as a great visual. Have you ever, anybody in here had to push a car before, right? A car doesn't work, so we've all had this experience. If the person who's gonna steer for you has got their foot on the brake, how much fun is pushing that car, right? And if you're that person in the car and you're trying to steer it, right, the car, it's not running, no power steering, we've all been there, how hard is it to turn that wheel before you can get some momentum? So I heard somebody say one time, God can't steer a parked car. In one respect, I think we have to move forward in our life, living, doing whatever he's asked us to do that we know to do. So we have to get up in the morning, we have to go to work, we have to go do whatever it is we have to do, and then he can steer us and guide us. But if we just sit and we don't move and we're afraid to get out of the chair, can I be guided and directed as easily? I can't be. So I really think it's important that we take steps. Are we gonna make them perfectly? Absolutely not. We're not gonna be perfect. We're not even gonna be close to perfect. But nevertheless, we still must move forward. We still have to take some steps to get somewhere. As I've mentioned through this, I'll tell just a little story about me. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a lawyer. And I wanted to be a lawyer for a really deeply spiritual reason. They make a lot of money. And so I was convinced that that's where I needed to go. And I shared, I really wasn't paying a lot of attention to God. I was saved, I was going to church, but I wasn't necessarily listening or paying attention. And so uh, I do remember sitting in a call center back in the day when we had to answer phones all the time. And I'm sitting next to this guy who just graduated from one of the top law schools in the city I was in. He finished in the top 20% of his class, so he wasn't the smartest, but he was certainly no slouch. And he was working next to me because he couldn't find a job. He's making eight bucks an hour. He had a $600 a month student loan payment. And I remember clear as a bell to this day, God saying, if you go to law school, that's going to be you. Now, it wasn't audible, but I, I can still remember to this day and how it impacted me. I left history, I, I, as I've shared with some of you, I'm a history teacher today, I haven't always done this. I finished my degree in business and worked in the business community for 20 years. My line of thinking at the time was maybe I've screwed up. And so after almost you know, 17, 18, 19 years of doing this job, was it a good job? Yeah, I was making money, uh, I got sent on some cool trips, I've had the opportunity to travel around the world on the company's dime. So it wasn't that it was bad, but I wasn't really making a difference. I didn't feel like if I left tomorrow, anyone would even miss me. And that, I didn't like that. So my in-laws, Bob and Dorothy Zeaton, who many of you know, moved here to Florida in about 2005. My wife and I, their daughter, now have three children. We lived in, in Minnesota, and they moved here in 2005. So if you've ever lived in the North and you have friends in the South, you come visit them as often as you can in the winter because you've had enough of the snow and cold and 20 below zero and 30 below zero. So we came down here a bit, 
And about 2009, we really felt like we wanted to move down here. How many remember the economy in 2009? Yeah, not so good. No, terrible. So you, so you might know that we didn't decide to move down because the job market was bad and the housing market was bad. And there wasn't a lot of positives. We finally moved down here in 2013 and 2014. I've shared some of this detail. Um, my company, who I'd worked for for almost 19 years, said, yep, you can totally work remote. We're starting to move into the remote working, and that's not a, that's not a problem. So Chris and the boys moved down here. About two months in, they go, yeah, not so much. You can just leave. So after 19 years, I get to come to Florida with no job. My wife was gracious. I knew in my heart it was time for us to move, but yet it sure didn't look like this was working out real well. And so sometimes you can get into self-doubt. Anybody else? Or is it just me, right? Yeah. Did I hear God? Was I right? Was I wrong? What's going on? It wasn't working well. So I applied for 124 different jobs that I'm qualified for, and I got none of them. I start working with another headhunter and finally get a job with them. I'm going to be the um, sales manager for a small software development company. And the Thursday before uh, the Monday I'm about to start, I get a call from the recruiter who's almost in tears and tells me, yeah, they're not going to hire you. Why? Don't know. So, okay, God, what have I done? Have I missed the boat? Did the boat sail and I'm not on it? What's going on here? Well, what I didn't know is despite the fact that I hadn't always listened to God, God was working on my behalf. So the school I work at today, the way I found out about it was because of one of my in-laws' neighbors who lives halfway down the block. Well, that means that God was thinking about this ahead of time and almost 10 years before I moved there or even knew I was gonna change careers, he put them in a place to connect people. So even though you don't see what he's doing, you may have zero clue like me, God is working on your behalf. God is constantly doing things to put things together, to put people together uh, so that we are in the right place at the right time. If we're willing to trust that he knows what he's doing, even when we can't see what he's doing. So what happens after that? I shared a little bit about this, but I had three different people tell me, hey, you should be a teacher. And God allowed me to transition into that. What else he's allowed me to do is the opportunity to return to what I love to do. I get excited about U.S. history. So I don't know if any of you liked history in class in high school or college. Most people don't, and that's perfectly fine. But that's what gets me up in the morning, and I realize that's ridiculous. So a long, long time ago, back in college, again, I can see where God's hand was moving even though I'm not paying any attention. I'm a sophomore at Ohio State. Don't hold that against me. Well, you got a lot of UF fans down here, so you know not everybody's all excited about that because they accuse us of stealing a coach who's no longer there. But anyway... I've got a history professor who says, hey, would you like to take a special class I'm holding? Sure, I'd like to. It's a graduate level course. History professors don't ask sophomores to take graduate level history courses. I don't know why that happened. I think God was being gracious and kind, even though I'm paying zero attention. So for nine weeks, I got to sit with a tenured professor of American history and a guy finishing his PhD in history, and they just sat and talked about stuff for nine weeks. It was fascinating to me. Not everybody, I get that. So at one point in time, I thought maybe I should go on and get a master's degree and a PhD and maybe teach in university. Trash that, did my whole thing, didn't pay attention. Now, did I miss God's perfect plan? For a while, I thought I did. And I thought maybe he was done with me. But thankfully, he wasn't. So now, guess what door has opened and guess what I'm about to finish? I'm working on a master's degree in history. Not because I'm so smart, but because God is gracious and kind. So even though, no matter what your age, no matter where you're at in life, you might feel like God is, not, is done with you. In my view, if you're alive and kicking, God's not done with you. Amen. If you don't want to be done. He's got something for all of us to do because no one of us can reach all of us. Mm -hmm. 
right? There's no pastor. There's no evangelist. There's no speaker who's so brilliant he can speak to everyone in the entire globe, even with our technology. Because some people we just don't like. Have you ever gone to hear a really good preacher and everybody's like, oh, this guy or gal is amazing, and you get there and you're like, eh, right? It doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean you're bad. We just can't reach everybody. So God needs us all. So maybe it's that neighbor. Maybe it's a person at a grocery store. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. So God will continually push you forward. Now, what does God have for me next? I have no clue. But I do know this. He'll tell me when the time's right. He'll open the door, and what I really appreciate about him is he even opens the door when I'm not paying attention. He put my in-laws 10 years before I needed it in the neighborhood of someone who would point out what's going on. The other little interesting piece of that story is, is so we're moving down here. We're going to put at least one of our children in the school. I call the school. Nobody calls me back. So I'm like, oh, the heck with that. If you can't call me back, I'm not interested. Mrs. Thompson followed up with my mother-in-law. Said, did they get the information they needed? She said, nope, nobody called them back. Mrs. Thompson made sure they followed up. So, you know, God, even when it looks like it's not working, he's constantly at work in your life. And I'm guessing, maybe, if you look back over the course of your experience, maybe you can see that. And I call that the hand of God. I just call, he's just pulling that, that thin thread that has every one of us in a room today together right. just to make sure that he gets done what he gets done. So my, my hope is, is that you see he loves you and that he cares about us and that even if we screw up, I don't think we can, I don't think we're walking away. I don't think we're missing it. I think he knows that ahead of time and he's still putting things in place for us because he knows what we need to be doing next year. He knows what we need to be doing five years from now. None of this surprises him, right? I mean, the, the election doesn't surprise him. COVID doesn't surprise him. He's aware of all of this. So I think this should give us great comfort. I don't know that it always does because it's really easy to start focusing on whatever we see, uh, social media and, and everything else, and we can kind of get, Ugh, or at least I get, Ugh. Uh, it, it's this constant reminder that he's in control. He's guiding and directing. It's not perfect. He is, but we're not. So the question that I have for you is, okay, so if all of this is the way this is working, then how do we spend that time with God? What should we be focusing on so that we can open our lives up to hear? Because I don't know about you, but it's kind of hard to drown out the noise of life. Those of you in this room who grew up without one of these things, myself included, I don't know about you, but I think back from time to time and I think, God, I'm really glad I didn't have one of these when I was 15, number one, because um, I tell my students on a regular basis, it's not that I didn't do dumb stuff. Nobody was filming it and putting it online. So I did plenty of dumb, don't, don't get me wrong there. So then how do we hear God? How do we take this and get to that practical application one, I think we've got to find a quiet place, and that's why I bring this up. This is hard to put this down, and there's a lot of great things about it, right? I mean, you've got the Bible at the tip of your fingers. You can hear messages from preachers around the world, for, and, 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 you know, I was listening to one on, on the way to church today, right? And you think, how cool is that? Some pastor in Texas, I'm listening to his message here that he was giving. So, I mean, that's fantastic, but it can also be distracting, because how many of us, as soon as we feel the buzz, or we hear the ding, whatever our particular ding is, we're reaching for the phone to do that. So how do we find that quiet spot where we can spend time with God? And how do we then shut everything else off, including your brain to a degree, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to turn the old brain off uh, and focus. So uh, my ideas are, number one, find a quiet spot in your house or a park or whatever works for you and don't bring this, right? Leave it in the house for 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, the world will go on. 
Uh, I tell my students because they have to keep their phones in their bags, which is painful for some of them. And I said, it's very likely the world will not end in my class. It's possible, but you know, I'm, I'm guessing it won't. So for 20 minutes or an hour or whatever it is for you, set the phone aside. You know, maybe you go and get an old-fashioned copy of the Bible, the paper kind, right? I work with 15, 16-year-olds, and they, it's amazing how many of them have not, don't have an actual Bible, right? They, it's all on their phone. So there's good and bad. That's a little weird to my brain and how we think, because right, the Bible's a physical thing we have to have. And then the other thing I like to do is I like to bring paper and a pen. Because I don't know about you, but my memory is pretty good, but I don't always remember every single detail. And so I like to write things down. And again, I've never heard God's audible voice. But what I have found is if I find a place and I set some time aside, and maybe I meditate on a scripture or two, or maybe there's a devotional, uh, or maybe it's a little praise and worship music or whatever it is for you, you can set this time aside and he will talk to you. Uh, some of the places that God really talks to me is when I'm driving my car. I don't know why. Uh, the other place is the shower. Uh, maybe it's because I'm relatively focused on something but not completely focused on something, right? I mean, you guys all have driven somewhere, like somewhere you drive a lot and you really don't remember getting there. I think it's a great time for God to just share some things. A lot of people get right in their car and the radio comes on immediately, uh, which is fine, but maybe you turn the radio off and just see what God has to say. Uh, and I think that these types of things, this kind of focus for us, will start to change our experience of it. The other thing that I think is important is praying in tongues. Uh, some people, you know, I'm not uh, going to change that, your view necessarily on that, but uh, the Bible tells us that we don't necessarily know how to pray, but that the Spirit through us is praying that. I have found as I'm praying in tongues, and um, the great thing about it is my brain doesn't understand it, so my brain can't get in the way, or it's harder for my brain to get in the way. And so as I do that, and I have this time, and I'm meditating, um, on the word or I'm praying in tongues, this is when I feel God start to tell me things about what's next or how do I deal with this situation at school or how do I deal with this situation at home or with another friend. All those things we all have to know. And then every now and again, he'll just say something I wasn't even expecting. Well, most of the time I don't expect it, but I mean, then he'll bring in something that I'm not even thinking about or I'm not even asking him about. And so I think if we start doing that, that can make a difference. So the question I have, being a teacher, I have to ask questions. What do you guys do? What works for you? So I think God, I think this is a great example. God works, talks to us each individually, right? I mean, those of you who, anybody in here have to work in sales or marketing or deal with a lot of customers and people, right? No, but you have, right? Is every person the same? Can you communicate with every person the same way? So God's gonna communicate with all of us differently. If you're very visual, God's gonna use pictures to talk to you. So it might not be, I'm very um, uh, more analytical and driven by words, so I see words. Um, you know, because that's just the way God put my brain together. So it's not, a, I don't ever want this to come off as a, this is the formula. And if, you know, it's not about works. It's not about, it's gotta be an hour a day or 45 minutes a day. It's about trying to dedicate whatever time you can and life is different, right? I mean, I remember when my boys were all young, man, if I could like live through the day, I was feeling pretty good. I think the key is getting your brain off of all the millions of things we all have to do every day or that are going on, and however it works for you. You've got that paper there so I can take my thought, I can put it down later, and then I can set it aside. My wife works the exact same way. I can't do that. If I start doing that, then I'm gonna spend about 25 minutes on a list, because I'm a list guy too. So that doesn't work for me, but it's about whatever works for everybody, and that's part of the process of finding out about each individual one of them. So I don't ever, or at least the way I try to look at it is, it's not about everybody else. Because when I get to heaven and God's talking to me, he's talking to me about what I was up to. And thankfully there's no judgment, and no condemnation. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, but that's a gift, right? I mean, God.
God's called me to do different things than he's called you to do, and that's dandy. I, I, have, well, I have one more thought, and then I want to get to your question or your, your comment. There was a great man of God, and I believe it was Smith Wigglesworth. I don't know if you've ever read much about Smith Wigglesworth. He's an amazing individual. Um, he did some things I don't know that I would ever do. Uh, he had, a lot of people got healed around him, and so he goes into the hospital this one time uh, to talk to this guy, and I, he had like stomach cancer or something like that. He walked up, and he just, wham, hits the guy right in the stomach. Guy was instantly healed. So, I mean, you know, you got to know that that's a good idea, because I don't think going to the hospital hitting people is probably a good thing. But if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure it was him. He said, I rarely pray for more than five minutes at a time. He said, I also try never to go more than five minutes without talking to God. Now, you know, we can't always do that, but I don't think it's about the five hours. That's what works for him. Right. I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't have five hours in the day to do much of anything. Just because where I'm at right now, it's not a complaint. That's just where life is. And I think many of us are there. But um, my suggestion is don't, don't judge yourself by what other people oh, are doing. Because it'll drive you batty. Well, thank you all for coming this morning. I want to close in a word of prayer, and then next week we're going to wrap this up. I have a couple of different ideas of some things, and I'm talking to God to see what he wants to talk about. But there's two or three things that, that um, are rolling around, so we'll see where it ends up. But Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for um, helping us all grow closer to you and understand a little bit more about how you speak to us. And thank you for everyone who was here today and sharing your thoughts and ideas and how it's worked for you. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I ask for your blessing this week as we all go out and influence the world for you. Uh, our world certainly needs it. In Jesus' name, amen.